All right. Good morning, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, man. That's a great looking group right here. Yes. Are you guys glad to be here? Yeah. Seriously, this is the best place to be. So you may have noticed I have my son with me. His name is Ever Wynn Wilson. His name means the eternal spirit. We named him after the Holy Spirit. So, you know, we just wanted to be extra spiritual. <laughs> but he's my first son. Uh, he's six months old. And like, so I've been teaching him, teaching him why I'm teaching the Bible for many years now. But like, this is like these past few weeks, these are like the first times getting to teach with him. And it's like the best. It's like a dream come true. It is like dream come true. I'm just like, ah, oh, getting to have my son with me as we teach and dive in the Bible. And like, one thing I love about YWAM is that like we make space for family and like we value family. And like, I think one of the saddest things is like when ministry becomes so important that family has to be left at home or put on the side. And it's like, no, like the Bible's about family. It's primarily about family. Jesus is building for himself a family of brothers and sisters, sons and daughters. And so, like, we need to value family. So, I love Wyron because, like, he's, I mean, he's, I think he's passed out right now. He had a bunch of milk, and now he's just having those Zs. But, um, but it's so cool just getting to have him here with me. And, like, like he's not a hindrance to us, to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not going to be like, oh, no, there's a child. I can't. Because what did Jesus say? Let the little children come, for such as the kingdom is theirs. So, so he's going to be up here with me, and uh, he's just, he enriches everything. I love it so much. But So what I wanted to do this morning is just kind of share a little bit um, of my journey with the Bible, and really what these, these mornings are really going to be about is just like seeking the presence of God in his word, because the Bible, like... We can look at it as just words and pages and be unchanged and unmoved by it if we just see it as the lid actually transforms our life. And, we, and, we, and when we engage with the word, if we engage it with Holy Spirit, oh my goodness, the best stuff happens. Nation, literally nations are transformed. Lives, families, renewed, redeemed. Like the Bible is so, so beautiful. And it gets a lot of hate. It's a lot of stuff against it, but man, when you actually like engage with it, with the presence of God, it's the most beautiful thing ever. Oh, it's so good. And so it's, it's radically transformed. I'm here because of the Bible. Right? I'm here because I engaged with the Bible and God grabbed a hold of my heart and a hold of my life. And, uh, and I'm so thankful for it. Like my life is so much better so much better than where it was before. And I'm, I'm just so thankful to God and I'm thankful to his word. And so, um, yeah, I just want to share just, just how the Bible has impacted my life and just a little bit of that journey. But before I do, I just want to pray because uh, my words are unimportant. But the beautiful thing is, is Holy Spirit dwells within us. And so we can partner with God and share his word and his truth. And so, Father, we just come before you and we just thank you so much. I thank you so much for every single person here right now, that they said yes to the call. Like, this blows my mind that so many people here could have done so many different things this fall, could have gone to so many different places, but yet they are here 
to know you more. I thank you for that, Jesus. I thank you for that. And I thank you for the opportunity and the honor and the blessing it is to just partner with everybody here and just dive it into your word. Jesus, we are just humbled by your goodness and your faithfulness and your love that you would look down at us. You'd look down at me and my brokenness and you say, no, actually, I love you. I see somebody that I want to use for the building and the growing of my kingdom, for the discipleship and the leading of the sheep, Lord. That, that you, 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 you're our great shepherd, Jesus would look at me and say, come partner with me in the building of my family and my kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you for this. And so we just pray a blessing over this morning, over this time that you would be here. We don't want to be here if you're not here. I don't want to be here if you're not here. If the Ohana court isn't filled with your presence, if our lives aren't filled with your presence, I'd rather just go home and do something else because it's pointless if you're not in the room. So Jesus, please move through this morning. Holy Spirit, move through our lives this morning. We look to you, we honor you, we thank you, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, who am I and why am I here? I don't know. It's a good question. Um, my name is Jesse Wilson. Um, a little bit, I'll just touch on different points. Grew up in Washington State. Yeah? All right. That's good, good. Uh, I grew up, uh, I was born, uh, grew up in a place called Castle Rock, Washington. Um, it's a tiny little town. On the, it's like the tourist attraction town of Mount St. Helens, the volcano. So I went from one volcano to another. Um, and uh, it was a town of maybe like 4,000 people, maybe a little less than that. And uh, I have four older brothers, a younger sister, and two younger brothers. So there's eight of us, big family. Um, and I love it. It's fantastic. Uh, but grew up in a Christian home, but my parents got divorced when I was about five years old. Um, my dad kind of had that mentality of, you know, the grass is greener just around the river bend. And, uh, and it wasn't at all, but he's like, oh man, I've, I've had one of those like midlife crises and was like, what have I done with my life? I'm missing out on so much. And so he divorced my mom. He went ran around with some other women and um, chased after, bought a nice sports car and chased after some things. And it, you know, it was very empty. And now he's on his third wife and uh, he's very unhappy. And uh, so I've, one of the most important lessons I've learned from my dad is that the grass is not greener on the other side. <laughs> Learn to appreciate what the Lord has placed right in front of you. And don't live out your fan. Don't try to live out your fantasies because your fantasies are just that fantasies. Like, they're not going to be a reality. As much as you want your fantasy to be a reality, as much as you, you see yourself as something like, oh, I could have this, and I could be this, and I could do this, and so rather than appreciating what I have, rather than appreciating my family, rather than appreciating my wife or my husband, I could have a better wife. I could have a better husband. I could have a better family. No, it doesn't work that way. So just um, learn to be appreciative and thankful for, for the gifts that the Lord has given you because it, it, it really ruined my family and uh, it really broke my, my brothers and uh, it just caused a large chasm in my family and uh, it's not good. You know, I have a good relationship with my dad now and I love him dearly, um, but it's just, it's just, you know, it's sad and it, it's just, it, it hurt a lot of people, but you know, that's the decision that he made. And so parents split up he takes off, but he doesn't work in California. 
they moved to Washington to kind of help out and be around us. And so um, that we, were, we hung out with them a lot, and they were always around pretty much my entire childhood um, after that. <clears throat> um, and uh, my mom remarried, and then I had two more boys with my stepdad. Um, kind of fast forward a little bit. When I was 14 years old, after, right, right from freshman year in high school, we moved to Temecula, California. Um, they had a great football team there, number one in the state. That's why we went there, so I could play football there. Um, and, uh, and so we moved to Temecula, and it's me, me <clears throat> my, um, my mom, my stepdad, my sis, younger sister, and younger brothers. My older brothers already moved out of the house at this point. And uh, I, it was a few months after moving there. Football had started. Summer football had started. We hadn't, school hadn't started yet. And uh, I remember the night my mom was reading a bedtime story to my sister. I hear my sister scream, run into the room, and mom just collapsed on the ground. And it's like, call 911, stepdad comes in, try to resuscitate her. Ambulance comes, they do resuscitate her, but she was without oxygen to her brain for about 17 minutes. If you know anything about that, after about seven minutes, the brain starts to die off without oxygen. And so she slipped into a coma. And so all of a sudden, it's like, I left everything I knew to go to this new place in Temecula, California. I didn't really know anybody at this point. And then, but it was fine. But then all of a sudden, this happened to my mom, and I just felt like life, like it's just everything I pulled out from under my feet. And I was like, what is going on? I became very angry. I was, when school started, I was failing all my classes. Half the time I didn't go to school, I just skipped it. Um, I got, my aunt called the, our, because uh, our school had like police officers. So our aunt called the school security, and they're like, and so they're like, if you skip one more day, you're going to be police escorted to school every day. And I'm like, you know. So uh, it just, I just didn't care about anything. And, uh, um, and I just was, became angry. I was fighting with my stepdad like every day. Like he was super nice. Like, and he took it because he, like, he was hurting too and he understood that I was hurting. Like he was right about it. But I was like just cursing and swearing and yelling at him every single day. Um, but he was either at the hospital or gone at work. And then my sister and younger brothers, because they were so young, they went and lived with my grandparents. And so a lot of times I was just home alone. So I'd ride my bike to school or not. Sometimes I'd just go to Carl's Jr. and hang out there by myself or around town. And then I'd drive my back home, bike back home, and I would just sit at home alone. And I just didn't know what to do. And I contemplated suicide. I thought about it. I just dwelled on it. I just became angry and depressed and sad. And like, like I just, just didn't want to be alive anymore. And uh, thankfully for football, though, like that, football saved me. Like, because it was like the only outlet that I had. <clears throat> and, uh, but I just couldn't take it anymore. And so finally, I, I called up my dad. I didn't really know my dad that well, but I called him up. I was like, hey, can I just come live with you? I just can't take this anymore. He had, at, by this point, he had already divorced his second wife. And so it was just him. And so I went and just left. I, I was able to, like, check myself out of high school. I, just, I don't know. I didn't know I was able to do that at, like, 14 years old. I just, like, went to the... Um, council, the, the mission's office, and I'm like, hey, I'm dropping out, and they're like, okay, sign this paper, and I signed it, and they're like, okay. Like, that was literally it. That was the weirdest thing ever. I'm like, and I go to my stepdad, and I'm like, I dropped out of high school, and he's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm done. I'm moving back to Washington, and he's like, what's happening? So, um, so I left, moved back to Washington, and then after I moved back to Washington, my mom woke up out of the coma, uh, which was wonderful, but at the same time, I was like, oh, I just left. So I went and visited, and uh, she woke up, but she still had, like, intense brain damage, and she couldn't remember anything more than, like, 10 seconds. So you go into the room, talk to her in, like, 10 seconds into the conversation, she would just be like, oh, hey, Jesse. 
10 seconds later, oh, hey, Jesse. She couldn't, she just had no short-term memories, completely wiped. And it was like the notebook. She forgot who my stepdad was, and she thought she was still married to my dad, right? And they had been married for, I don't know, maybe seven years at this point, and she just completely forgot who he was. Um, and it was just, yeah, it was just crazy. And so what did the doctors say? Like, hey, brain doesn't recover. She's going to be like this forever. She's going to be in a state where she's going to be 24-7 care for the rest of, however, the rest of her life, however long that is. Um, but her brain recovered. And uh, she actually got to the point, never 100%, but she got to the point where she was, like, able to drive again. She got her license again. Like, she was, like, back to it. It was, like, crazy. She moved back home. She didn't need any personal care, any of that kind of stuff. It was crazy. Um, but I was still living in Washington at this point. And I had already kind of planted myself because I had friends from Washington in high school and family and all that kind of stuff. And so I just stayed in Washington. Um, and, but at this point, I was just kind of like, I didn't, again, didn't, I played football, track and field, um, partied, did drugs, got drunk, and that was my high school. Um, and that's really all I cared about. And, uh, and me and my friends made videos. We made lots and lots of videos. Um, and, uh, and so when I, uh, Graduated high school, me and three of my friends were like, we're going to move to L.A. because we want to get out of this small town. We're going to move to L.A. I'm going to go to arts. I'm going to go to animation school. My buddy's going to go to film school. My other buddy's going to go to music school. And then we're going to make videos together and make movies together. That was our dream. Um, so we moved it. We do it. But drive down to L.A., no plan, no idea where we're going, what we're doing. <laughs> like, ridiculous. We get to L.A. We're like living out of these tiny little like janky motels, like super sketchy. Um, I, had, I had never been in like a big city before, like I had never been in traffic before, I had never been in, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And then we get into LA and we're like in uh, North Hollywood and like different areas like that and we're like in these just, I remember one, one motel we're staying in, we both walk in and there's one, it's a tiny little room, there's one bed and a toilet right next to the bed. And we're like, what are we doing here? But eventually we found an apartment, we got an apartment. Uh, and I started going to the Art, Inst Art Institute in Santa Monica, and he started going to the film school in, at Universal. And uh, we're like, all right, we're going to live our dream. <clears throat> and uh, we did not. <laughs> uh, instead, we decided to spend most of our time, rather than really focused on what we were there for, on doing drugs and partying. And uh, I had a fake ID at 18 years old, so, uh, and I looked much older than I was, so I was always out in the bars and the clubs all throughout. And like... Back home, we had like, I don't know, like three bars, like trucker bars, and that's it. There's just things as clubs back home or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, and, you know, you're limited in what you can do. When we moved to L.A., it was kind of like no limit. And it just got worse and worse and worse, harder to drugs. And uh, I just, that's all we wanted to do is just have as much fun as we possibly could. And that continued for a while. And then my mom started going to the back into the hospital again, in and out of the hospital. And like, I just couldn't visit her because it was just, it was just too hard to be back in the hospital again. It just reminded me of her being in the coma. And so I didn't, I didn't visit her as much as I wish I would have. And then she eventually passed away when I was 19 years old. And uh, at that point, I was like so already like just gone and desensitized and broken. That I was like, I just don't really care, whatever. I just partied harder, drugs harder, drinking harder. Every day was smoking, every day was drinking. And doing much, many other things. <clears throat> but in the back of my mind, I, had, I couldn't get this question out of my mind, and it was, what happened to my mom? Like, she was a Christian. She believed in God. She believed in Jesus. She, she believed that she'd be in heaven. 
so where is she? Is she actually in heaven? Like, or did she just cease to exist? I, like, I like, couldn't get that question out of my mind. I'm like, what happened to her? Like, where is she? And at this time, right, I'm living in L.A. I don't have any Christian friends. I don't have any Christian community around me and that kind of stuff, right? I, I, I would have said, yes, I believe in God. I pro- maybe would have even said, yeah, I grew up Christian, so I guess I'm a Christian. But no relationship with God whatsoever. No care about it. No connection whatsoever. I never thought about it. Um, but I just couldn't get this question out of my mind, and I felt I didn't tell anybody about it. Like, it wasn't something that I discussed with people or processed with people. It was just my own secret thing. And so I remember just challenging God. I'm like, okay, God, if you're real, then you're going to speak to me. All right, because you know, I remember when I grew up, this is a God who answers prayers. He's a God who speaks. So if you're, gonna re- if you're real, you're going to speak to me. And then this thought came to mind, and you're going to do it through the Bible. I look back now, and I realize that was God putting that into my mind. But in my mind, it just, that's just, it's just what happened. If you're going to do it, you're going to do it through your Bible. And so pause there and rewind back to my, I think it was my junior year in high school, a few years prior. So junior year in high school, this happened one day the entire time I was in high school. At one random day, I'm pretty sure it was my junior year, one random day, I'm walking across the street in between uh, the, high, the, the school and, and another thing. And there's a dude parked out in his car, just sitting on his hood with a box, handing out New Testament Gideon Bibles. And I'm walking by him, same, same way I walk every time, every day. And he's like, hey, you want a Bible? And I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. I take it, I have a short little conversation with him, put it in my pocket, go to class. Never saw him again, hadn't seen him since. Like, have, don't know his name, none of that stuff. I don't even remember what he looks like. I took that little Bible, went home, threw it in a box somewhere, didn't think about it. Now back to when I'm living in L.A. and I'm asking God if you're real. I go through my box, and lo and behold, I find this little guy. This is the, this is the New Testament little Bible that he gave me. And so I pull this out, and I'm like, oh, yeah. I put it in my pocket every single day. And I'm like, all right, God, if you're real, you're going to speak to me. And I became obsessed with this thing. Like, I was just, I need to find an answer. I need to know how to mom. I need to know if God's real. And so I had this in my pocket. I was still going to school at the time, at college. So in between classes and at lunch break, I was also working a job. So like when I was in between, like lunch break for my job, when I was home alone, because I was living with two roommates at the time, when I was home alone, like I would just be like, reading and reading and reading and reading this thing. I just needed to know. Um, my drive home from, from work, one day I took a different route because I think there was traffic, and I went through this neighborhood, and I drive by this house, and, I, and as I'm driving, I see this hammock just like out in between two trees, like on the sidewalk. Side, like, yes. So like almost like a couple times a week, as many days as I could, I would, I would take that route home from work. I would lay on that hammock, and I would read this thing. And it was like my favorite time of the day. It was like so sweet. And the craziest thing happened. So, you know, I, I asked God, like, what happened to my mom? Are you real? And not only, like, I mean, he responded. He answered. But it wasn't only did I get like this, oh, what happened to my mom? Like, the thing that he responded with and the thing that reading this did is I fell in love with Jesus. Like, that wasn't even, I wasn't even really thinking about Jesus. I wasn't thinking about a relationship. I wasn't, that, none of that was on my mind. I just want to know how my mom... And I'm reading this thing, and I fell in love with Jesus. And I was like, and I just fell in love with reading this thing. 
And like, it became, right? I was still partying, I was still going out, I was still drinking, drugs, all sorts of stuff. But this, those moments became my favorite time of the day. Because it was like the only time of the day where I just felt like whole. I felt complete, I felt just, it was so sweet. And in my mind, that's it. Like, I'm like, I was happy with that. I'm like, this is the best thing ever. But it's my like little secret. I didn't tell anybody about it, nobody knew about it, I didn't talk to anybody about it. You know, when I was living in LA, like Christianity was made fun of, God was made fun of, Christians were made fun of, and all that kind of stuff. And so I just never wanted to, I felt weird. You know, I felt like I was kind of going crazy. Because like what would happen is I would, I would be on my hammock or in other places, and I would, I would be reading this, and I would just ask God random questions, random questions. And then boom, a thought would come in my head with an answer. And I'm like, and I would be like weirded out, because I'm like, where did that come from? Like that wasn't, that wasn't me that thought, I've never thought that in my life. And, I, and I re, I'm like, two things. One, I'm either going crazy. I'm hearing things. I'm going crazy. I'm losing my mind. Or God's actually speaking to me. And, uh, but, and I, wasn't really, I really wasn't sure yet. And so that continued for a while. And then um, I ended up dropping out of college because it was just racking up lots of student debt, which I still wonderfully have. Um, uh, you know, it was a great experience. <laughs> you definitely use that now. Um, and I was I, like, the school was like, I think three years or oh, three and a half years for like $90,000. Um, and that doesn't include like the extra that I was pulling out for like living expenses and stuff. Cause like we, I didn't, I, I was living off student loans, like to pay rent and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so I ended up dropping out and just started working. I was, I was working at an antique rug gallery like, it's the weirdest thing ever. And this dude, this dude, so he smoked American Spirits. I remember it. I didn't smoke, but I sat next to him, and he spoke about a pack a day right next to me. And, like, it just, I would just sit in his cloud of smoke, American Spirits. And then all of a sudden, I'd start craving American Spirits. I didn't crave cigarettes. I craved specifically American Spirits. I'm like, I don't know why I want to smoke an American Spirit. But, and he would never pay me. He'd always be like, oh, I don't have any money. I'm like, I just sold one of your rugs for $90,000. I'm pretty sure you have enough to pay me like $100. Um, But that was like, you know, that's, it was that, smoking every day, drinking every day, and then just living for the weekend party. And then having those moments alone with the Bible and God. So this continues on for a few months. And then if you guys know, um, the, uh, the holiday, as some would call it, uh, 420. Um, right? And for those of you who don't know, 420 is the National Weed Smoking Day. And uh, so we had this big party planned <clears throat> coming up. And uh, maybe like a few weeks prior to that, we're at, I'm at my buddy's house. And of course, we're smoking and partying and all that kind of stuff. And by the end of the night, I just remember sitting there like just half passed out on the couch, and I'm looking around, there's a bunch of people, half of them I know, half of them I don't know, and everybody's just kind of like out of it, and it's like, ugh. And then like, it was like, a thought hit me that never hit me before. I was like, I'm wasting my life. It was like my eyes were open for the first time. All of a sudden I was like, I'm wasting my life. And like, I start having this panic attack, and I get up and I go out on this balcony, and I just start praying. I'm like, God, if you're real, please help me. If you're real, please help me. Please, please help me. Next morning, I'm back home. Don't have school. Don't have work. Home alone. My roommates are off at work. And uh, the normal thing that I would do is wake up and smoke. So 
I have a blunt. I'm rolling it up on my kitchen counter. And then, like, out of nowhere, I hear this voice, does God want you to do that? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> go back to it. Does God want you to do that? And I'm like, what the heck? I, what? I don't know. Why would, God, why would God care if I smoke weed? Whatever. Go back. Does God want you to do that? And I'm like, I don't know. God, do you, do you not want me to smoke weed? And then the response I got literally changed my life forever. The response I got was, would you be willing to give that up to know him more? And I was like, wait, you mean there's more? You mean there's more than just those moments alone, those amazing moments alone with the Bible and, and with prayer? Like, there's more? more. And the response was, then speak it out that you're done with it. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> whoa, wait a second. That's next level. Like, and I'm just like, I'm just, there's this like half rolled blunt and I'm just staring at it. It seemed like a half an hour, it was probably, I don't know, maybe five minutes, but in my mind, it seemed like a half an hour, I'm sitting there going back and forth. Two voices in my mind, one voice being like, this is all your friends do, you and your friends do. What are you going to do? You're not going to be able to hang out with anybody. You're going to be alone. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to be this, going to be think you're weird and all this kind of stuff. Like, why would you give this up? Like, and just all these, I'm just like sitting there staring. I'm like, oh, like this battle is raging in my mind. And then through it all, this voice just pierces. Would you be willing to give it up to know him more? And like this peace came over me and I'm like, yes. And so I say, God, out loud, I say, God, I promise I'm done with this. And the second it came out of my mouth, I'm just like, oh, no. Oh. Because I'm, I'm like, there's nobody around. I'm not doing this for anybody else. It's not like I'm pretending. Like I, the second I knew, the second I said it, like I had to stick to it. And I'm just like, oh, and I'm like, God, please help me. Please, there's no way I can do this on my own. Please, please help me. And then I reminded, remembered, 420 is right around the corner. And I, and I realized, I was like, I have to go to that party, and I have to say no to it. Because if I don't go to the party, I'm just running away from it. I'm not saying no to it. Wow. And so I was like, if I'm, because to me, I'm like, this, I mean, this is like, again, this is just between me and God. And I'm like, I'm like oh, dead serious about this. And so I'm like, all right. And so I'm just like dreading the party. And I'm like just praying. And I'm like, God, please, please help me. Please help me. I'm just dreading it. 420 comes, we go to my buddy's house, knock on the door, door opens, four foot bong, just gets handed to me. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. And he's like, all right. And I'm like, it was that easy? It was that easy to say no? And I had a good time at the party, didn't smoke weed, right? And it was like, I was like, whoa, totally the grace of God. And so I was like, all right, I can do this. And then what happened is because I wasn't, I wasn't smoking and I, wasn't, I, was, I, was, I was done with drugs, all of a sudden, it took a little bit of time, but my mind became clear for the first time in like years. And I was like, whoa, I didn't realize how clouded my mind was. I didn't realize how messed up my mind was from constantly just smoking and doing other things. And so my mind's clear and, and God just begins to send me on this path. And I end up moving back to Washington. Oh, shoot, they're listening. Jesus loves you. Um, so, so I, I end up, I end up moving back to Washington. Um, I move in back with my dad. Um, and so my dad, what he did, he owned his own business and he was a, he's bought and sold collectible comic books. He was a comic book dealer my entire life. And so I moved back and I start working with him and then I start my own comic book business. Um, buying and selling collectible comic books. 
And all of a sudden, I just went from like doing nothing in my life, and all of a sudden, I was making more money than I ever thought possible. And like this business was just like booming. I started going to church. I started. There was. I went to this church back in Washington, and the pastor. First day I get there, because I was just hungry. I'm like, I need discipleship. I need help. I'm like, I'm. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. So I go to this church. Pastor, at the end of at the end of his sermon, he's like, Hey, if anybody would like to come grab coffee with me, get to and, and meet up and talk, just come to me afterwards, and we'll set something up. And as soon as it was done, I just beeline straight to him. I'm like, listen, let's, I need, and he's like, I need to meet up. And he's like, you're the first person to ever take me up on that. And I'm like, why? I don't know. I just need help, please. <laughs> why doesn't anybody else care about this stuff? Uh, I was desperate. And so he was a huge influence in my life. Um, <clears throat> and uh, he was like the first husband and father I saw that was like legit awesome. Like, he was such a good father, such a good husband. He was so loving, so caring. And, like, I had never experienced or seen that. Um, you know, not just in my own family, but just, like, in any family. I had never seen that. I didn't know anybody that had, like, a good family. And I, so I was over, I was at his house, like, all the time, hanging out with his family. And I was just like, yeah, it was, it was so good. And God, God was just restoring me, leading me. Um, after about, I don't know, maybe a year and a half of that, for a year of that, I moved back to California. I moved to Orange County this time with a buddy of mine. And uh, um, everything's going great. I've, I plug into a church down there. And then it's my buddy's birthday. He's not a Christian. And he wants to par- have, have a party. And he's like, hey, hey, just take, let's, just, let's just, just smoke with me. Come on, just smoke with me. And I'm like, no, I don't do that anymore. Because I, I didn't touch the stuff in you know, maybe like a year and a half. He's like, come on, come on. God's not going to care. You've gone a year and a half for so long. You've done so good. Just one time. It's not a big deal. God's not going to care. And I gave in. I was like, all right, it's your birthday. Just this one time. Second, I took that hit. So much guilt. So much shame. I just like, I was just, I failed God. I was like, oh, man, I failed God. God, God restored me. He gave me all this stuff. He led me. He, he, he gave me a second chance. My I got back into more smoking, I got back into coke and other things and like just other drugs and drinking and like just this downward spiral because I was just like so, I was like, I was like, I failed God and he's done with me. But thankfully he wasn't. (laughs) Thankfully he's full of grace and forgiveness and mercy and love and patience and, and uh, he, he came back and God's like, yo, what are you doing? Like, I, come back to me. I, did I ever say I'm done with you? Where'd you get this idea that I would be done with you just because you made a mistake? And like from that experience, I like learned of the grace and the mercy and the love of God. And it shaped everything. I was like, whoa, this God is so good. He's so much better than I thought he was. And I thought he was pretty awesome. And so I'm like, all right, new covenant with the Lord. Done with this stuff again. I moved back to Washington, failure number two. <laughs> oh, also, at the same time, I ran my business into the ground and ran out of money because of all the drugs. All my money went to drugs. Um, so, screwed up, moved back home, defeated, a failure, yet again. And, uh, but this time, I'm like, all right, I'm taking 100% serious this. I'm no more. And so I, like, do nothing but, like, work like crazy. I'm at the church Every service I can be at, every Bible study group. I start a Bible study group in my home. Like, so all my friends 
they were still partying back home, and they, they, my buddy owned a house, and so he was like, every weekend, all weekend was like house parties. And, uh, and, and I'm like, I just can't go, I can't do that. And they're like, oh, you don't like us anymore? You're too good for us? And all this kind of stuff, like, it's not that. I'd love to hang out with you, just not in that setting. Like, I wanna hang out with you, just not in that setting. And, uh, and so all of a sudden, now I just lost all my friends because I'm trying to like devote myself to the Lord. And, uh, and I'm just praying about it. And I'm like, man, I, I love them. I miss them. I want to hang out with them, but I just can't do that stuff. And God's like, why don't you invite them to a Bible study? And I was like, yeah, right. He's like, yeah, do it. Do it on Friday night. And I'm like, you're telling me you want me to ask them to skip out on house party night and come to a Bible study. I'm like, He's like, just do it. What's the worst that can happen? I'm like, fine, I'll do it. So I invited them. There's probably, I think, like seven or eight of my close buddies that I invited and uh, I'm like, hey, guys, would you want to come to a Bible study on Friday? And they all said yes. All of them. And I was like, what the? But then I'm like, what do I do? I've never led a Bible study before. I'm like, what happened? I like bought some chips and like some random snacks. And they all come and I'm like, let's read the Bible together. And we just start reading like through Luke. And, I'm, and it's just like really awkward and weird. And I'm just like, and then all of a sudden I just stop. I'm like, let's just hold on. I was like, let me just ask you, where are you guys at with your belief in God and all that kind of stuff? So I asked them that. And all of them said, I wish I knew him more. I wish I knew him more. I wish I knew him more. And I was like, whoa. And that Bible study grew and blew up into like this amazing thing. Like Spirit of God was moving. It was so amazing. Oh, I, it was so amazing. There was like one time, uh, so another buddy ended up coming like, I don't know, maybe like a few months into it. And uh, he's like, hey, could I bring my dad? We have like a really broken, abusive relationship and I want it to be restored and I feel like if I brought him here. And so he brings his dad and like by the end of it, Nothing I did. It's holy, holy, totally Holy Spirit. By the end of it, they're hugging and crying in each other's arms. And like, I'm just like, what is happening right now? Oh, man, it's just so beautiful what the Lord does. Because he wants the restoration more than we do. He wants people to be whole more than we do. All we got to do is just say, okay, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And, uh, and during this time, like, I was just working as much as I could and just... Any second that I wasn't working, I was either in the Bible, I was watching sermons at church, running a Bible study. Just, I just was just like totally single-minded because I knew that I, like, I don't trust myself. Um, and then I get this word missions on my heart. I didn't know any missionaries. All I knew was maybe some stuff from like movies or videos or something like that. And I'm like, what the heck is a missionary? I don't know what a missionary is. I guess I got to go to some country and do some stuff. And so I'm like, it just, but it just unceasingly was on my mind. Like I couldn't get it on my mind. Missions, 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 missions. And so I'm like, okay. So I start Googling. I find some missions organizations. Submit some application. Denied, denied, denied. I don't have any experience. I don't have any credibility or any of that kind of stuff. Denied by all of them. And I'm like, God, what do you want me to do? Well, I ended up going to California for a week to visit my brothers down in California. And uh, one of my brothers, uh, who was a Christian at the time, Tell me, he's like, I had a buddy do this thing called, uh, called YWAM, I think. And he went to like Jordan or something like that. He's like, you should Google it. Check it out. I'm like, all right. Google it. I find this campus. And I'm like, and I didn't, I didn't, I had no idea what YWAM was. In my mind, I saw this. And I'm like, oh, it's this thing in, thing in Hawaii. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'll do that. I didn't realize there was more in Hawaii. So 
I'm going to Kona. And then I'm praying, and God's like, you're not going to Kona. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you're not going to Kona. And I'm like, but, I, but God, like, I want to go. And he's like, you're not going to Kona. I'm like, fine, I won't go. So I'm like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. So I go back to Google, and then I find that YWAM has other locations. I'm like, whoa, and I find Australia, towns in Australia. And I'm like, I've always wanted to go to Australia my entire life, so bad. I'm like, all right, God, I'm going to apply. If you want me to go, you're going to tell me no. If you don't say anything, I'm going. So I, I applied, got accepted. He never said no, so I went. And uh, it was so what I needed. It was like so structured, rigorous, and like strict. It was so strict, and it's exactly what I needed. Like I got called out on so much of my, you know, garbage, and, uh, and like staff were calling me out on stuff. It was so needed, and like... There were like one staff member one time we were doing like this enacted symbol thing and like I, I don't remember something with a door I don't remember exactly what it was something about going through a door and like closing on your past and stuff like that and I go through it and one staff comes up to me and he's like the staff over there laughing <laughs> the, the the staff comes up to me and he's like he's like dude you're totally faking it you're being so fake right now and I'm like yeah you're right I am. <laughs> And like, he's like, he's like, do it again, but be honest. Stop being fake. And I'm like, whew, all right. And like, it was that kind of stuff. And I like needed that so bad. I needed that so bad. I needed like a swift kick in the butt. I needed people to like just beat the garbage out of me. (laughs) And uh, so it was super, super, and I loved it. I loved it. I went to Papua New Guinea for my outreach. Oh, you guys, you guys, outreach is the most... Man, you know, I, so I didn't really know what I, I didn't really, the whole like healing and miracles and stuff like that, I didn't really like believe in that stuff. I'd never experienced it, saw it, or I'd never witnessed anything like that. And so first outreach we go into, we're hiking through this jungle. We get to the first village. We like preach the gospel, do some dances. I did like a little finger puppet for the kids. Not like an actual puppet, like literally just my fingers. <laughs> and I told this Bible stories with my fingers. They loved it. It was great. Um, and then afterwards, we're like, who wants prayer? Everybody in the village stands up that was there. And we're like, all right. And we're like, get in a line, and we'll just start praying for people. First guy comes up. It was me, our outreach leader, and one of, the, one of our buddies praying. And uh, this guy, he was hunched over, and he had this massive, like, melon-sized bulge coming out of his back. He fell out of a tree, like, seven years prior and like broke, partly broke his back, and he's been hunched over like this with his bulge for the past seven years. And he kind of wobbles over to us, and he's and through a translator saying like, hey, can you pray for my back? And I'm like, all right, we'll see what happens, I guess. So I put my hand on the melon, and I'm like, okay. We start praying. Within like five seconds, it literally shoots into his back, and he stands up straight. And I'm like, ah. I'm like freaked out. I'm like so freaked out. I'm just like, what just happened? And he's like, oh yeah, thanks, thanks. And he starts, I'm like, no, where are you going? Do you not realize what just happened? He's like, yeah, that's why I came to you so that you could pray for this, so it'd be healed. I'm like, what? And then person after person, there was like a woman that was like bleeding for many years got healed. A guy who was crippled for like 15 years was walking again. I was like, what is happening? My mind was just blown, just blown. Oh, it was so good. One, and one of my sweetest ones, I got taken to the, some of the locals in one of the villages we got. I got taken to this, like, small little hut up in the hills. I go into it, and there's this, like, old woman that's just laying in bed, 
and just kind of like alone in like this dark room. And like we start preaching the gospel to her and she accepts the Jesus into her life. And like we just pray over and like out just like it was so sweet. And I'm like, man, I know that I'm going to see her in heaven because of that moment. And it's like, man, it was so sweet. It was one of my favorite moments of the, of the outreach. Um, and just there were so many crazy things about outreach that it was just amazing. I almost died. I, there's a lot of other stories that are probably inappropriate to tell, but I'll tell them anyways. Um, I got like a parasite, and like every time that I had to poop, lots of blood came out, like lots and lots of blood. And it wasn't just one time. So the first time it happens, I'm just like freaked out, and I'm like, all right, well, hmm. Second time it happens, I'm like, this is getting concerning. <laughs> Third time it happens, I'm like, I think I should probably tell somebody. So I tell my outreach leader, and he's like, he's like, well, we're in the middle of the jungle, and there's no hospitals or doctors around here. There's not really anything we can do. And he's like, we could hike. It would take us a couple of days to hike into a village where we can then sat phone a life flight to get you. But other than that, I'm like, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> I was like, we'll just go forward, see what happens. Um, and just other crazy stuff. You know, outreach is awesome, but, you know, it worked out. I mean, I may still have those parasites. I don't know. I have no idea what happened to me. I never got checked out. So, so I come back from outreach. And God puts this word, or, and I'm like, essentially God's like, you're going to do SBS. I heard about SBS from a staff. You're going to do SBS. And I didn't know there was SBS. I still didn't know why I was all over the world. I didn't know there was all that. I just thought SBS was in Kona. I'm like, oh, yeah, I get to go back to Kona. Apply, get accepted, go to SBS in, here in Kona in 2013. And uh, SBS, nine-month school, studying the whole Bible over and over and over again. And it... It was like, I'm not a studious person. I don't like reading. I don't like study. I don't like homework. I don't like any of that stuff. And uh, it, like, destroyed me. Like, it was so difficult for me, but it was so good. It was the best thing ever. It was the Bible. Like, all of a sudden, for the first time, like, this is the way to describe it. Like, before studying the Bible, I felt like I was just in this dark room. Un Every time I went in a direction, I was unsure. I wasn't unsure where to go, where to step. I just felt so unsure about life and my direction and my path in life. And then after studying the Bible, it was like a path was just lit up in front of me. And I, like, knew I was standing on firm foundation. I, like, knew that I was standing. And, like, it was it's the best feeling ever. Yeah. And no longer did I, like, feel like I kind of knew about God. Now I'm like, no, I know him. I know him because I know the word that's, that he's declared about himself. I ended up staffing, coming back on staff. I was one of those students that I was like, I'm never going to staff. And then God's like, you're going to staff. And I'm like, ah, fine, I'll staff. Came back on staff, fell in love with it. I got to teach the Bible. Got Ecclesiastes, the first book of the Bible taught. I loved it so much. It's so much fun. I describe to me teaching is when I, those moments where I feel closest to the presence of God because I feel like he's teaching with me and through me. And I'm like, oh, yeah. It's so amazing. I just love it. I staffed my first year of staffing, kind of halfway th through the school. I think it's three-quarter school, so I think into second quarter. I'm playing Mario Kart with my school leader. And... Uh, He's like, yo, do you think you're going to be here longer? Because you have to get a two-year commitment for staff. He's like, do you think you're going to be here longer for the two years? And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I think I'll probably be here a while. Like, I love it. I don't want to go anywhere else. I don't want to do anything else. And he's like, all right. And then a week later, where he's like, hey, let's go get some coffee. He's asking me. He's like, hey, what? The reason I asked you that is because this is my last year leading, and I don't have anybody lead. The person he was going to have lead didn't get his visa. And uh, he's like, so you're kind of my last resort. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> 
He's like, do you want to, can you do it? Do you want to do it? And I'm like, and I immediately, I felt God say, say yes. And I said, so I was like, I'm going to tell you yes right now. I'll pray to confirm it, but I'm going to tell you yes right now because I don't want to back out because I know I feel the Lord saying yes. So I told him yes on the spot. And that was the best, scariest, worst decision of my life. It's best and worst, but mostly best. Only best. And uh, next year, I lead. I had no idea what I was doing at all. All the staff left except for three. We had 21 students, uh, 18 girls and three guys. And I had myself and then three other staff. And two of them were brand new staff as well. I had no idea what I was doing. And uh, it was the most amazing school ever. Oh, it's so good. God was so good. Totally Lord. It's all the Lord. I give all the credit to him. I did nothing. I, had, I was just, yeah, I was lost and confused, but he knew what to do. And uh, so I ended up leading. It was amazing. And just got to spend the next five years leading the school um, just with the word and with it. My last school was 2020. 19, 2019 to 2020, and so quarter two, at the end of quarter two, COVID hits, we have to send all our students home, and like that was my last year with SBS, and it just ended, and it was like, oh, it's over, my entire past seven years of my life are just over, and there's no like closure, there's no like ending to it, there's no nothing, it's just done, and that was tough, but it's all good, because I ended up, God just kind of led me in a different path, and I ended up getting connected with End Bible Poverty Now, which is all about ending biopoverty now in the nations. It's so good. We're going to be talking about them more. It's so good. So I'm in leadership with them. And then uh, Christoph Ulysses, Andy Bird, and the Lord asked if I would take over, uh, uh, help out leading with Revival and Reformation, Foundations for Revival and Reformation in the Bible Quarter. And so I said yes to that. I created a whole new curriculum for it, which we're now starting in Rev and Ref now, and it's so much fun. Oh, it's so much fun. It's so great. Like, I'm just, I am loving it so much. This, again, this week we're reading through the whole Bible um, to start off. That's just the beginning off, and then we're going to dive into a bunch of stuff, and like, it's love. I love it. These, these students and staff for Rev and Ref are just like these fiery Bible-loving people, and I love it so much. It's so good. But I look back at my life and where I'm at now, and I'm like, it's all because, like, really, this dude was like, here, you want a Bible? I don't know him. He he doesn't know me. Like, we'll get to celebrate in heaven together. And I'm like, yo, you're the dude. You're the dude. You changed my life. But I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful to God's word because it's because of this that I'm here. Like when I was in like this dark, dark place, it was the only light that I had. And there was this very Bible in my hands randomly that I didn't pull out till years later. Right. And um, my life has been, oh, thank you so much. Bud, you done eating? You're just throwing it out of here. So anyways... That's a little bit of my story. I just, my, my, my hope and my goal for this quarter with these Bible mornings is just to impart a love for the Word of God. That, that you guys would just have ways to engage with the Bible, that you would just fall in love with Jesus, right? I fell in love with Jesus from this thing, because that's what this does. You fall in love with Jesus more and more and more, and that's my hope. So these mornings, it's going to be fun, and it's going to be all about falling in love with Jesus more and knowing who He is. Let me pray for you. Father, we just come before you, and I just thank you so much. I thank you for the journey that you've brought me on. 
I thank you for the way that you've led my life. You've, you've changed my life. And I'm so thankful for that man, whatever his name is, wherever he is now, that gave me this Bible. Father, I pray blessing over him. Father, I pray that, that, that when we get to celebrate in the resurrection, when we all come together in new life, Father, I just, I just pray that we get to celebrate together with that man, Lord. So I just, I just thank you so much. I pray a blessing over this school. I pray a blessing over this, this morning and the rest of their week that, that in every lecture and every moment that they would just fall more and more in love with you. In Jesus' name, amen.